Welcome to another edition of the Game Preview Podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Cynthia Freeland, the Jets 2-2 two and two after four games. Cynthia, let's just start with this. If you're a Jets fan and you were told that Zach Wilson were to miss the first three games of the season, you saw the AFC North each of the first four games, and you come out with a 2-2 two and two record, if you're a Jets fan, are you signing up for that? I'm absolutely signing up for that. And I'm signing up for a receiving touchdown by Zach Wilson every week mm-hmm. because I need more gritty. <laughs> I need him to do the gritty every time, okay. all the time, every week. Two-part question. You just open up the can of worms. One, what did you think of the gritty? What, what's your score out of 10? I think that it was it was a really strong start. So I would give it <laughs> like a six, six or a okay. seven. Out of, and also the fact that he did it, Wait, like a plus for that, but I think yeah. I need to see it more often, right? It you gotta if you score more touchdowns, you get to practice more often. So I think it's a win win for everyone here. He practices more, You're right. there's more touchdowns, we get to see more. Like that's 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 what I'm signing up for. I think you hit the nail right on the head because Zach Wilson first game back. You know, this is the first gritty that we've seen maybe over the course of the season. It, it'll improve a little. It was still a good try, still a good effort. I also agree it is probably in the six to seven range. Now, what is your gritty? Like a zero, like a two. I'm not like, I'm not meant for that. I'm not meant for the gritty. Like I'll say far away from the gritty. We'll be great with that. That's that's I I will I will appreciate the gritty from afar. Did you think, because this is Jets-Dolphins on Sunday, that Zach Wilson's gritty was better than Mike Kosicki's, or was Mike Kosicki actually making fun of himself? I think Mike Kosicki might be making fun of himself, because that's what I yeah. like. That's how I would do it if I were grittying. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, it yeah. seems like it. It seems like it. Well, all Jets fans are hoping to see a little more gritty from Zach Wilson, but I think, you ready for this wordplay? Jets fans are pretty giddy at what happened last Sunday at Pittsburgh. Let's just dive into the first quarter here. It's talking about the man of the hour, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's performance felt like really came alive in the fourth quarter. What did you think about the way he played up to that point? And what does it say about maybe the progression early on in year two for him? The fourth quarter was exceptional, but I, I'm kind of looking holistically at an area of improvement from last season to this season. It is a tiny sample size, so we want to make sure that it continues. But intermediate passes were not a source of success last season, but in this game, they were. He actually completed eight of his nine attempts for 170 yards. There wasn't a touchdown in an intermediate pass, but those those are 10 to 19 air yard passes. Those are important. You need to be able to stretch the field vertically. Last season, that's an area where he had six interceptions to just one touchdown. So I'm hoping that that will be a, a sustained source of success. And fourth quarter, you have to talk about it, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But really, really well done getting better as the game evolved. So that's important, too. Do you feel like how much of what you just said in terms of the intermediate passes can be attributed to just Zach Wilson being in year two in the system compared to just the supporting cast around him with guys like Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis and Tyler Conklin? It would seem to me like early on, because there's they haven't had enough time for the chemistry, that this is like a function of really smart game planning, the coach did a really nice job figuring out what would where success was targeting those areas with the right play call and also execution from Zach and also so it's kind of everything but we haven't seen the chemistry form yet so let's like give a little while before we really attribute success to one thing or another but 
this is this, that's that's very encouraging. Downfield passes, you need to be able to open up the field, and it does. They go hand in glove. You need the people to be able to catch the passes, but you also need the quarterbacks to execute them, and you need the game plan to be able to make that happen. So Zach Wilson, you we talked about this a little bit in the fourth quarter. He completed ten out of his twelve passes, had a one thirty eight point nine rating. What impresses you the most about the fourth quarter? Is it the stats itself, or is it just the situation that he was able to climb out of, where the Jets are down by 10 points on the road in Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett coming in, renegade, terrible towels, everything, and then to be able to climb your way out of that hole and actually get out of the game with a a W? The short passes, so quick passes, so those are passes that happen in 2.5 or fewer seconds, so less than 2.5 seconds. That's an area where the game plan, absolutely, there's trust involved there because you know that's a really fast amount of time. It sounds crazy, but like, oh, he had two and a half seconds. That's so fast. It's unreal. So those quick passes, he was 7 of 11 overall for 84 yards and a touchdown on quick passes. But really in the fourth quarter, those kind of, all right, we're going to execute this game plan. The leadership, the communication, all of the things that you mentioned in terms of being able to orchestrate a comeback, being able to not let this whole Kenny Pickett terrible towel, like change in there, like, you know, whatever's going on in there. None of that affected what the Jets game plan was. And Zach Wilson was able to execute it really, really well. You saw the difference between what happened when he took more than two and a half seconds, two interceptions and 11 of 25 on those plays. So that's why those quick passes, that's how teams get going, get in a rhythm, right? They talk about that. That was a really smart way. And that's what really worked in the fourth quarter. And we have to give like a very, if I was wearing a hat, I would tip of the cap to Corey Davis (laughs) because Corey Davis really, in the fourth quarter was incredibly valuable. He drew away coverages. He caught his own, but like this was the Corey Davis, like a plus a plus for his, especially fourth quarter. Tip of the cap and an a plus grade from Cynthia Freeland already in yes. the first quarter. That's yes. amazing. We're oh. off to a hot start in terms of Zach Wilson, Cynthia, I mean, what, what really impressed me was how calm his feet looked in, in the pocket, even when it was a little, little uh, crowded to say the least and how much of I think a lot of people will point to the second year jump right it's year two for him the second year jump from an analytics perspective is there some kind of trend that you've seen in second year quarterbacks in terms of the largest improvement maybe as opposed to year three like Josh Allen is a was a year three jump right like we saw a progression from year one to year two but year three was the leap I think a lot of people think about the year two leap. Is that where most of the numbers lie? The numbers really support that the supporting cast also really helps. So there's kind of two ways to create a really good supporting cast for a quarterback in his second or third season. One, get them excellent pass catchers and help with the O-line and help in the run game. Josh Allen kind of have all of that. In his third season, he had it even better. You know, Stephon Diggs, quite helpful turns out so ultimately what you're looking at is you're looking at the jets making big steps forward and now we'll see how zach wilson plays i'm not you know i'm not willing to say that the o-line has helped him out because it it hasn't but the pass catchers in general are far improved the opportunities are improved so it will look better and it's with some help to stop pressure from coming at him that will look even better I think that's a great point because that leads directly into the second quarter, which is Sunday Jets-Dolphins. 
The Dolphins like to have a lot of pressure packages, different exotic looks, and the Jets' O-line continues to shuffle Max Mitchell. Likely won't play. That's what Robert Sala said after an injury in Pittsburgh. And Elijah Vera Tucker, after playing left tackle, Robert Sala wouldn't say what the Jets are going to do with him. If he's going to play left tackle, if he's going to play guard, which is what he played up in the, the first three games and all of last season for the Jets. So there's some questions there, but let's start with that, actually, just from your perspective, because you love offensive line play. Elijah Vera Tucker, for him to yeah. play left guard last year, right guard the first three games, and then left tackle in week four, what does that say about him? That he's incredibly versatile and the coaching staff trusts him. It also shows that, you know, there's some weird thing about like usually guards are smaller in stature than tackles, but that doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always matter. It depends on the strategy that you're trying to enact here. But like this is a situation where it feels like they're putting their best players in the most. That's like one of the top five positional value positions, right? Some people say it's number two. Some people say it's number three. Quarterbacks one. Then some people say pass rusher, then left tackle. Some people say left tackle, then pass rusher. Like that's important. So Elijah Vera Tucker obviously has earned so much trust and it's it's well earned it's very it's very well earned well going off of that with the exotic looks that the dolphins employ or deploy how important is offensive line play specifically this week compared to let's just say a standard four-man rush week well they're gonna blitz so we know this the dolphins tendencies Blitz, blitz again, don't abandon the blitz. Oh, keep keep blitzing. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing that. So it's gonna be a lot of pressure heavy looks. Now, blitz doesn't always mean pressure. Remember that. Blitz just means bringing an extra rusher. It doesn't mean that they're going to be effective with the pressure. So shorter passes. We saw this blueprint from the Bills, actually. The, they started off blitzing Josh Allen a ton. What did they do? They targeted their running backs in the pass catching game 17 times. 17 times. And that's Josh Allen who throws the ball a ton. So that's what it's probably going to have to look like for the Jets. They gave them a little bit of a, a little bit of a tip off of what might work to escape that blitz. Because remember, on the back end, the defensive backs for the Dolphins are very effective and efficient, right? Xavier Howard is excellent. Javon Holland, yeah, we've seen him play really well too. So stay away, target that middle level of the defense. And we've already seen the Jets successfully deploy running backs in the pass catching game this season. So it's not a stretch to think that that would be use quick passes, those one under 2.5 seconds, get it to the running backs, get the gains, put yourself in manageable third down. That's an incredible stat that you just said, that when the Bills and Dolphins played, Josh Allen targeted the running backs, let me make sure I heard this right, 17 times? Mm -hmm. 1-7. Yeah, like, that is wild. Remember, they've got like a bunch of good pass catchers too, right? So like targeting running backs in this way, that's showing you this is how they were strategically trying to escape the blitz and get away from those defensive backs. And to your point, Brees Hall and Michael Carter and Ty Johnson, for that matter, all very capable out of the backfield. The Jets like to throw their backs out of the backfield. So that is definitely in the spotlight for me. One more point on the second quarter here. You talked about Xavier Howard. He speaks for himself. Javon Holland, I feel like he's somebody that doesn't really get enough attention. Maybe at least if you're just like a Jets fan, like you got to watch out for this guy because it, by all accounts, it seems like Javon Holland could be one of the bright young safeties in this league, wouldn't you say? 
It's funny the safety position just in general has taken like this big step up this year. I mean, the Jets fans might know a little something about good safety play last game. Just saying. But, you know, it's it's kind of this this trend across the league, in part because a lot of these quarterbacks that are coming out of college to a tongue of Ilo, which I know he's not playing, but in general, you know, Patrick, Josh, Joe, all of these, they have some tendencies because in college they didn't face zone defense as much. So two safety shells have been more effective because it's not something they're as well versed in as man coverage, right? So you the one and the zero and the zero looks, they're that's not really working as well as it used to. So now you need the two safety situation in order to really thwart what's going on in the offenses. And yet again, Zach Wilson will make his home debut at MetLife Stadium Sunday. He's faced this Dolphins defense, even though the offense is totally different. We're going to get into that. The offense is different. The defense is relatively the same. I mean, they do have Melvin Ingram, who's had a nice start to his 2022 season. But if you're a Jets fan and you want to know what to expect, at least up front, to Cynthia's point, you expect the blitz and you expect a lot of disguises. So that's what's to come. That brings us to halftime. And I promised you that I would never forget halftime. So here we are. I won't. I won't. But here we are. So do you have a topic that you want to bring up? Or, or am I doing the honors? I mean, well, let's do one for one. So you, you start and then I'll, I'll follow up. Um, I don't really have much. The only thing I was going to say is that your shirt is kind of aqua Miami blue. It's, it's green in real life. It's weird how things okay. change on camera. <laughs> Cause in real life, it is like, it is like, it's weird. Cause see this pillow here. This is my jets. Pillow. Yeah. In real life, yeah. these two things are far closer in color. It's wild. Like, yeah, I, it's an optical. It, it, illusion. Looks aqua. it looks a little aqua. I will say though, I really do like the Miami color scheme. Like it feels very Miami. You know, it feels very true this, to Miami, but this is, this is definitely green. Like this is definitely a green. <laughs> shirt. Like it's wild. It's, I have no idea, like no idea how that happens. I've, I, if anyone else does, please let me know. Cause this happens to be a lot. Like I was completely orange on, on fantasy live on last Thursday uh, in real mm-hmm. life. I was to- I was kind of, you know, just a normal color. I get on the screen. I was orange. So I made the joke that I sucked <laughs> all of the color out of the Bengals jerseys and had it in my skin. I don't know how that happened. Uh, that's no a idea. Good one. That's a good one. Well done. Well done. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it all was- I had. That, that, wow. that was my halftime point. All right. Perfect. So here's my question. You're at okay. MetLife Stadium. I understand you're in the press box, so let's just pretend you went as a fan. What are you eating? Yep. What's what's the plate? Like, what's the best food? Uh, not yeah. in the press box. That doesn't count. Yes, no, it does not count. Um, that is a, that is a great question. If you are looking just for a concession stand, you are looking for the Fat Rooster, which is a spicy chicken sandwich on uh, on some kind of yummy, squishy potato bun, a little coleslaw. And so that's the move. Uh, fat, it's called the fat rooster. Awesome. Yeah. So fat that is a major key. Okay. Yep. Yep. So that's what, that's what I would do if I were a fan. Now, if I had some, some extra, let's say I knew somebody in the organization, you know, if I went as a fan and they happened to get me some kind of club pass where you're going somewhere i would still choose the fat rooster or i would you know they do have sushi but i wouldn't suggest the sushi because it doesn't feel like it's game day food you know what i mean like it's good but it doesn't feel like it's game day food i had sushi at sofi 
And I, I felt the same way. Like, I mean, I'm like, Oh, it's LA. Like how the food, is, like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to whisper this because whatever, but the food at SoFi isn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't. Just to listen. But, if you're listening, there you go. You, you get free advice all the time from the two of us. So I'm just saying. You, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned this though, Cynthia, because as a fan, I'm very excited about this. I'm going to see your Detroit Lions play the Chicago Bears in Chicago on the Jets bye week going as a fan. And I'm really excited about it. All right. So I'm going to give you a list offline. I'm going to give you a list of places to eat in Chicago because I, you know, I went to Northwestern, not for undergrad. You are the real, you, you know, the real, I was, I went for like my MBA, totally nothing to do with. And, and I'm not a, I didn't go to, I didn't go to journalism school. I'm not a journalist, but I can give you, I'm going to give you a list of all of the places that you need to go eat in Chicago. Yes. So Chicago yes. is a great eating city. New York is better. I'm not going to, I'm not getting, I'm not touching that. I'm just saying it's a good, it's a really good eating city. I'm very excited and I'm not team deep dish overall. Like if I had to choose one or the other as in deep dish or New York slice, I'm going New York slice, but I will obviously try deep dish in the place that it originated because I feel like I have to. I mean, yeah, but it just, just don't like get a big piece. Cause there, there's so much better eating in Chicago than any deep dish pizza. It's just a lot of dough yep. and it just feels like a, it's like, like a you gotta try it. You gotta try it. Yeah. But you know, don't, 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 I would like, don't waste your palate on that. Don't waste your appetite on just that. You know, there's, so I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. You just gave well, me Midwestern, the, justice. we know how to be fat. People, I'm, I'm Midwestern. I can say that. We know fat things. You got to go to Portillo's. It's way better. Get the hot dog and the milkshake. Yeah. It'll be so much Did you say, did you it's say Pontillo's? Did you say Pontillo's? Is that okay. the name? Portillo's. P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S. Pontillo's. I mean, it's I think Pontillo's is a place in Rochester. I think that's a pizza place in Rochester because my friend grew up there. Hold on, Pontillo's. I think you can get pizza at Portillo's, but you can get it. You can get a, a hot dog. It's really good. I believe that Portillo's, yes, Pontillo's is in Rochester, and that's how I knew that. Anyway, he's going to be he's going to be very excited that I just dropped Pontillo's on the game preview podcast. That was a great Obviously. halftime. I feel rejuvenated. I feel ready to go. I feel ready to talk about this Miami team in the third quarter because we're starting with a guy that's starting his first game for the Miami Dolphins. That's Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Teddy Bridgewater played the Jets last year with the Denver Broncos. The Jets lost to the Broncos. Teddy had a good game, didn't throw for any touchdowns, didn't throw any picks either, but he completed nearly 80% of his passes. I believe it was 76%. What kind of quarter, not, let, let me rephrase that. How do you think the Dolphins offense could potentially change with Teddy Bridgewater under center? The first thing that I notice when I look at this offense, and this is this is good news for the Jets, they're not effective or efficient at running, which is funny because everyone's like, oh, Mike McDaniels comes from San Francisco. There's going to be all these running backs we need to draft in fantasy. But that hasn't been the case, right? So they've averaged just 69.3 rushing yards per game. That's ninth, 29th in the NFL. 29th is third worst, right? So 3.46 yards per carry. That's 28th in the NFL. These are this is good news. Why am I bringing up all of this when you ask me a question about Teddy Bridgewater? Well, the run and efficiency from run will help with Teddy to create the opportunity to turn the ball over. Right now, he's going to have to pass. If they had a more effective and efficient run game, 
maybe it's a little bit easier. Teddy tends to play more conservatively. That's what we saw as a Bronco last season. Totally different offense, totally different scheme. But the problem that the Jets have, the problem that you're going to see is this catch and run ability from those two wide receivers. So Teddy Bridgewater, they're going to try to keep it conservative, just like they do with Tua. Like, I don't think the game plan changes all that much, right? But when you don't have a run game, in general, you're going to be taking more shots. Now, those shots are really helpful when you have the guy who's number one in receiving yards in the league. That's Tyreek Hill. Number, and you got number one and number two in terms of yards after the catch. So that's an issue. And that's what they're going to have to stop. And I, I'm looking at you, LaMarcus Joyner. Can you be like just like last week again? Thank you. Do that. From your lips to God's ears or to LaMarcus Joyner's ears because LaMarcus Joyner was fantastic for the Jets to his, last week. To his, he had, body. to his body. They'll yeah. just hear it. Manifest, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think on Sunday there's going to be a deep shot because you you would anticipate that regardless if it's complete or not, the Dolphins are going to dial up the long ball to Tyreek. So Teddy's going to throw the ball. It's going to be Tyreek and Lamarcus Joyner, and Lamarcus Joyner is going to hear you, Cynthia, going, "Just do what you did last week," and then boom, incomplete Just or interception. What That's what I think. Last week, intercept. I don't need two intercept. I just need one. You know, I don't need yeah. all of them. It's okay. We can just we can just do the one. That'll be great. Just bat down the path. Like you don't need six. Like you know, last week he had like six really really clutch plays. Oh, let's just go with four. You know, like am I asking too much for four? Like <laughs> both, both safeties played played really really well. Obviously, right? So safety play will be another key one in this. But I want when you're sitting at the bar. Do people go to bars? I don't know when you're you know, being really academic and watching it with your glasses on like we are. I think it's very interesting. I, I did find this note to be interesting. So, you know, uh, the guy who's number one in yards per reception this season is Jalen Waddle, which is, I, I don't think that's, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say that that's like super surprising, right? Do, were you surprised by that one? Not really. Eight, I mean, eight, I, I feel yeah. like if you've got good speed, it doesn't really surprise me. And him and Tyreek have great speed. Guess who's number two? Corey Davis. There you go. Corey Davis, 17.4 yards. So when you're sitting there indulging in an adult beverage, you can say, sure, Waddle may have 18.1 yards per reception and lead the NFL. These are guys who've all had at least 15 receptions. It doesn't count if you just catch one 60-yarder. <laughs> Come on. But these are guys with at least 15 receptions, right? And number two, Corey Davis, you know, 17.4. There you go. A little fun fact for your friends. Corey, Corey Davis has had a fantastic start to the 2022 season. I'm glad yeah, I agree. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about him right now. We're gonna pause on the Dolphins talk to talk about Corey Davis because Sorry, everyone I wanted just, to talk about all off the rails. No, oh, no, this is this is a you know what? This is good. This is genuine, and it needed to be said. I could sense that you wanted to say it, and it needed to be said. So now we're gonna hammer it home because here's what happened: the Jets signed Corey Davis last off season. He was 16 yards, 1-6 shy of 1,000 with Tennessee in his final year with the Titans. Then the Jets draft Elijah Moore. They're like, wow, who's this guy? He's, he's fantastic. He's a great receiver. Then Corey Davis goes down, misses the last X amount of games. The Jets draft Garrett Wilson. They almost traded for Tyreek Hill. Instead, they get Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's off to this great start. So people are like, oh, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. How about Corey Davis? Corey Davis in training camp was, in my opinion, the most consistent receiver. And I think that's shown over the first couple games or the first four games, not to mention when Zach Wilson in his first game needed it most, 
fourth down, he turned to the person that Cynthia just said, Corey Davis. Yeah. And I, I just important. I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, in terms of skill players, I looked at win share for all of the skill players. Quarterback is, you can't really, it's hard to compare quarterback to wide receiver because the positional value is quite different. Plus, Zach Wilson's only played one game, very, very different thing. But Corey Davis is actually the most valuable offensive player that, that you have, you know, on the Jets squad so far this season. It's only four games. I, I got it. But like, you know, where it's, it's still an interesting, that's still like about a quarter of the games now. So really, yeah, really uh, you know, interesting. Fact is a fact. That's a great fact, by the way. So you're just to again reiterate it. You're saying the what? What was the exact wording of the stat? Win share. So it's kind of like war in baseball. It tries to assert the individual value of a particular player. So you can compare wide receivers to each other in terms of ranking, and you can compare wide receivers to running backs. It just gets a little dicey when you compare a wide receiver to a quarterback, just because, or any position to a quarterback for that matter, because the amount of times they touch the ball is just so much more, right? So that's that's what you have to kind of look at the relative value. And outside of quarterback, Corey Davis is the most valuable player Number in terms one. of win share. That's because win share also factors in what happens when they're not the subject of a target of a pass. So drawing coverages. So it's more favorable for Garrett Wilson, for example, or Tyler Conklin, um, drawing away coverages, creating the space so that there's more room to run, et cetera, et cetera, being really precise with your route. So it's not just when he's a subject of the target, but also when he's not the subject of a target. That is a fantastic stat. And the Jets receivers, obviously, all of them very talented. I feel like a lot of people are waiting mm -hmm. for the Elijah Moore game. And I feel like Garrett Wilson had the Garrett Wilson game in week two against Cleveland. Corey Davis had the Corey Davis game in Pittsburgh. Now it feels like people are like, hey, now it's going to be the Elijah Moore game. And just food for thought, Elijah Moore did have a great game against the Dolphins last year at MetLife Stadium, 62-yard catch and run, beating Xavier Howard. Yeah, it was great. So we're putting the good juju out there. One more thing on the Dolphins receivers before we hit the fourth quarter. Everyone talks about Tyreek Hill. Rightly so. He was fantastic with the Chiefs. He's obviously picked up where he left off with the Dolphins. You mentioned Jalen Waddell. I just want to ask a little bit more about him because it feels like he's not that he's the forgotten guy, but when you have Tyreek, attention goes to Tyreek. How good of a player is Jalen Waddell in his own right? Yeah, I mean, that's where that Winshare talks about it exactly. Like, you know, Jalen Waddell also helps Tyreek Hill. It's not like Tyreek is so much more dominant and Jalen Waddell isn't. And many teams, Waddle could be a number one. Now, he's still young, so I'm not really willing to I, – I, I like to take at least two seasons before I know who a player is exactly, right? So two, three seasons depends on the position. But Waddle is a bona fide number one in his own – he's trending towards being a bona fide number one in his own right. It's just very fortunate that on his rookie deal, they can pair him with Tyreek Hill. It's a great point. And Robert Sala talked about – he talked about how if with Tyreek and Jalen, obviously they want to dial up the long shot, but they're so good in short passes because they can get four or five yards after the catch on any given down. And then a third and long could become a third and short based on their speed alone. Yep. So that's something to keep in mind. And moving on to the fourth quarter, I feel like before this offseason, everyone was saying, or really in the offseason, once the Dolphins got Tyreek Hill, it's like, wow, look at their skilled players. They got a new head coach in Mike McDaniel, where their offensive line, like, a little shaky. They signed Teron Armstead. 
Do you think that the style of offense that Miami runs kind of masks any offensive line issues that might have existed last year? So far, yes. I don't think it's sustainable. Uh, and Teron Armstead has been intermittently banged up. I don't know. I don't know the level of hurt or not hurt he is. I, I'm not a doctor and I don't know him, so I don't. I don't have any idea. But you know, in it, we've seen him in and out of games, and that's a very big deal. Uh, especially with the change at quarterback, right? Like you saw Tua took nasty hits. Obviously that's why he's not playing, but like even before ones that were controversial in any way, shape or form, he was getting, those are some, those are some hard hits. And what they've been doing is they've been rolling out the game plan to start very conservative and then take those strategic deep shots. That's why they end up being what? 41.9% on third down because they start very conservative. That's like ninth best, 10th best in the NFL. So they're very good at creating manageable downs and distances, even without the run game. It's a lot of those short passes. The problem is once you put enough of that on tape, then teams are going to be able to be like, uh, we're going to come, we're going to come get you. So that's where defenses do have an advantage. And, you know, I don't know if, I know this sounds a little crazy, but remember Mike McDaniel and Robert saw, like they went up against each other, like, you know, in practice when they both worked for the diners. So there is a little bit of familiarity there. It's not like you're sitting there creating a new strategy against someone that you've never faced. Like they, there's some, there's some, they're going to have some, some interesting, I think little notes about each other that we don't, we're not even privy to. Definitely. I think the cat and mouse game is going to be especially under the microscope this week because of the history there. And one more thing on the Dolphins O-line. You said that you didn't think it was sustainable, what they're doing in terms of trying to mask the problems. What about it is not sustainable? When you can't get the run game to consistently help you and you abandon it, it often leads to – the and, and you know what? Every fan base knows this. What happens when your guy keeps getting pressured? Well, you get in riskier and riskier and riskier situations. Turnovers happen. More, you know, what happens the play after a pressure? And then, by the way, what happens the play after another pressure after it was just pressured? So the problem then compounds. And if you abandon the run game and you can't consistently get enough running help and support, even though short passes start to falter. So if you get, like, I'm looking at Quinn and Williams and I'm, I'm looking at his 11 pressures. I know that, you know, that doesn't sound like a ton. He has a 12% pressure rate where he's rushing from. Not ideal for Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's mobile, but that's not great. Quinn and Williams has been destroying linemen. And then you already have a line that's not like great. So this could be an interesting one to see how Robert Sala cooks up some pressure, especially from Quinn and Williams. I'm looking at that matchup specifically could be a really big game factor. And if you're not going to run the ball, like, you know how you, what is the adage when you, if you want to get away from pressure, run right at it or run around it, get away from it. Right. Like, so if, but if you're going to force throws on everything, it's going to be a lot harder to do that. Uh, you brought me to my next point. It's like, we've been doing this for a year and four games now. You know, we so, take some good reps together. Continuity, you know, it's our right. the math works for us too. The, the math works for us. You, you know, I think it was the in real life meeting that really, that really sent this podcast to the it. next. You really yeah, it. exactly. So in terms of the Jets defensive line, you mentioned Quinn and Williams. Robert Sala had his praises just a couple hours ago, actually, talking about him. If the Jets are able to maintain pressure, whether it's from Quinnen, whether it's from the inside, whether it's from the outside, like Carl Lawson, Jermaine Johnson, whoever, how much do you think that can impact what the Dolphins want to do specifically through the air? 
I think that will be a giant factor in this game. Like I said, the two things I'm looking at, pressure and the catch and run on, on this side of the ball. So that pressure rate, see now, are they going to figure out ways to target a level of the defense that, you know, is might be might be a, a, a seam, something that they're like some space. That's the two things. If you can get enough pressure and if you can shore up those big gains from catch and runs, then that is the that is how the Jets have the advantage in this matchup. That's how the Jets have the upset if they can do those two things. Defense will be key here because I do think that there is opportunities on the other side of the ball. Like the Jets have shown how that they can run. There are some some really nice indicators. Brees Hall has done a really nice job specifically. So you've got a lot of positive. So I'm just looking at this side. If you want to stop Tyreek freaking Hill, then you need to not allow him to catch and run. Nope. No way, no how. And that is a period hard stop. That is the lasting image or the lasting voice that you'll hear on the game preview podcast because that's really feels like what it boils down to for the Jets. You got to tackle Tyreek Hill, whether that's short catch and run or whether that's a deep shot, you got to knock it away or try to. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. The Jets, Cynthia, at the end of the day, are two and two. They have a chance to be three and two after five games and then back to back games on the road. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on Sunday, week five, Jets, Dolphins. And that's how we wrap up the game preview podcast. Cynthia, as always, thank you very much. And I hope you have a wonderful week in your aqua slash green shirt. And we'll see. It's what green. Happens. It's green in real life. I don't, I do, I truly don't. Like, I look at it on the screen and then I look at it in real, I'm like, what is going on? Anyway, yeah. I don't understand. I just feel like uh, I'm wearing green too. I think mine looks green. In, yours looks green. Okay. Yours, I don't, I, mine doesn't. Yours does. No. I don't know. No. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not sure. I have no idea. I guess I guess we'll see what happens uh, on Sunday and what whatever color you choose next week. We'll see how it gets portrayed in the game preview podcast. And uh, other than that, if you have any last words, now's the time. But if not, I will talk to you next week. Enjoy your food at the stadium. Hopefully Thank you can you. go get some fat rooster or they'll bring it to you in the press box. Somebody get this man some fat rooster. <laughs>